This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for 8th best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. It's play-in day, Jeffrey. Can you feel the excitement in the air? Today? Well, I don't know. Will it be today? Will this game end before midnight? It's yeah, a, it's a 9. 9? Nine, 9 Central Unless it goes start. to like double I mean, overtime or something. It clearly, I think it's unlikely to finish before Midnight Eastern, but yes, I think it'll. Well, it'll today will be the day we find out who the Grizzlies are playing in the playoffs. I will say I don't necessarily have a fever. No fever. Yeah, not you're not juiced up for this Lakers Minnesota game, or maybe Hawks Heat. Hawks Heat. Does it's, that you know playoff rematch? I've been pretty of fo- the Hawks getting manhandled by the Heat. I've been pretty focused on the West, mm. and so even though I think the the East has interesting matchups. The mm-hmm. thing that's that I have noticed is after the after the announcement of the suspension of Rudy Gobert and kind of the disarray of the Timberwolves on Sunday, I just accepted that I thought the Lakers were going to win, and so I'm, well, I'm, indeed, you're not alone. Yeah. ESPN uh, has released their predictions for these play-in games. All 17 ESPN experts are picking the Lakers tonight. Yeah, and I know everyone's reacting to that. I just think you have to think of it like this. If you, you and I have been in this position where you have to give a pick. Mm-hmm. It's a one-game play-in. The Lakers are at home. Mm-hmm. And if someone just asks you the simple question, not the point spread, who do you think is going to win, I don't really know how you pick the Timberwolves here. Mm-hmm. Are they going to play? Yeah, it's, it's like Ant- the question is how. I mean, I assume those Timberwolves starters are going to have to play a whole lot of minutes in this game because the bench is going to be real thin. Well, the bench is with real the thin, and their bench got, wasn't great to begin with. Yeah, with the injury they've got, no Gobert, um, it should be an interesting one. Well, we got a uh, we got a big show planned because it's Play In Tuesday, coinciding with Tell the Truth Tuesday here on the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. We'll get into all things NBA here in a second. Two forty or so. Uh, Tim Murray from VSIN will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs. Maybe talk a little golf, a little college sports. Who knows what we'll get into with Tim. Three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Penny Hardaway got another guy out of the portal 
And this one's got uh, some NBA uh, buzz about him. Uh, so we'll dive into Memphis's latest foray into the transfer portal. It means, by the way, Penny is now, he had four visitors this past weekend, Jeffrey. He's gotten three of them committed. And then the, there's another, the, other, the fourth has not committed anywhere yet. So he could go perfect over the weekend, depending on uh, what uh, this last transfer uh, who visited this weekend does. Yeah, I think it, I think the scenario that it, it lays out is if you see someone take the visit, Memphis seems to have a very strong chance. I think, in, like, yeah. Like with Quez Glover, he mm-hmm. ends up not taking the visit. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of killed the momentum. But it's like if they get him on campus, they seem to have a pretty high success rate. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know where they, well, apparently, according to Munz's story about um, the Jonathan Pierre, the D2 kid, Penny, we now we now know Penny. It used to be Penny would take them to a nice steakhouse. Now they go to Penny's Nitty Gritty. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get the they get the five star treatment uh-huh. at Penny's restaurant. Uh, Maybe so, a nice private room. <laughs> oh yeah, Jonathan Pierre spoke highly of the food. Said it was like very you know he, he was very impressed with the spread. Yeah, I've not been there, but the the sh- the head chef they brought mm-hmm. in from Atlanta. Her resume was wildly impressive. So well. Good to well. Let, let me tell you, I, I don't really care about a resume, but she, whether it's her or Penny or someone else, they're getting the job done yeah. with these transfers. They seem to be effective. <laughs> so we'll dive into that next hour in the list, and then uh, we'll wrap things up. We'll uh, we'll preview those uh, play-in games before we head out of here. But let's let's start with some truths, Jeffrey. And I, here's here's my tell the truth, and it relates back to what we were just talking about. Everyone's picking the Lakers. What we discussed yesterday, it seems like the fan base, the majority of it maybe, or the online majority, I guess, would probably be the best way to phrase it, feels like they want the Timberwolves because it feels like it would be an easier first-round series. It would be an easier easier path for the Grizzlies to advance. Um, but here's what I suspect. This is my truth. And I guess maybe it's not a truth as much as it's what I think is the truth. I don't know it's the truth. I think the Grizzlies players are rooting for the Lakers tonight. Knowing these guys, I think they would I think they want to play the Lakers because they want I, the show. They, I think they like the show. Remember Spotlight. Like it's a huge I mean it would be to the, it it would be a true to the victor goes the spoils type of series. Like you're not going to gain much other than advancing to the next round by beating the Timberwolves. And that's not I I'm saying that and I'm and I don't mean to scoff at it because the goal is ultimately to advance to the next round. So I totally understand the feeling of let's play Minnesota. That's the easier series. The point is to advance here. But I also think I think those players on that Grizzlies team are supremely confident. It's what's gotten them to where they are the past few years is that they have this innate confidence in each other that they can do anything. And sometimes it's bitten them in the butt. But by and large, I think it's been a driving force for this group. And I think in their heart of hearts, they're going, we want LeBron and Anthony Davis. We want to we want to take out the king. And to their point, and again, I'm speculating here. None of the players have actually said this. And to be clear, I highly doubt you're ever going to hear this on the record. Yes. But like, Ultimately, it would be literally the biggest achievement to date for this group if they took out the Lakers, if they took out LeBron. And I think I think deep down they're going, bring on the Lakers. 
I, you know, I think that's what that's that's my truth. I think I think the players want to see the Lakers. I think that's probably true. I, I don't know. I don't know if it holds true for every single person. Mm-hmm. I think Ja definitely wants to bring on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I definitely think Dylan wants to bring on the Lakers. I don't necessarily think Jaron gets as wrapped up into that as perhaps those two do. Here's the thing, though, that I that I think is worth considering. There's no way of knowing whether or not this is true. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that the Timberwolves series was a surprisingly difficult series for them last year? Yes. And if you think back, the Warriors beat the Nuggets, I think, in five. It may it, it wasn't a sweep, but it was five, and it was a very easy five. Yeah, they didn't have to work that hard. Like I was starting to think, should the goal be, because you said, if the goal is to advance, mm-hmm. if you could offer these two possibilities, the Grizzlies are going to beat the Lakers in five or the Grizzlies are going to beat the Timberwolves in five. Mm-hmm. I think 100% of people sign up saying, well, give me beating the Lakers in five. Yeah, That's not really the consideration. What, the consideration is you're probably not going to beat the Lakers in five. It's going to take six or seven. Correct. It, the, the thought would be it is a more difficult series. Mm-hmm. What, though, I think also needs to be a part of the conversation. Like, I felt like part of the Grizzlies running out of gas, particularly in the Warriors series last year, I mean, obviously there were other factors, Jaws, Jaw getting hurt, Desmond being banged up, losing Dylan for a game, like the only game you get blown out. I don't think it's any coincidence that Dylan, that Dylan gets ejected. But I do think a big part of it, is the fact that the Grizzlies had a very, very emotionally taxing first-round series, while the Warriors did not? Uh, a little bit. I think... I think... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if that played that. I mean, I will say, I, if I recall correctly, they won game six against the Timberwolves and then literally had to turn around and it was like... They won, they, six, was, they won six. They won game six in Minneapolis, and, and then, then it they, was, and then it was a day off, yeah. and then it was an afternoon game. It wasn't even a night game that Sunday. It was like Correct. they won it was, on a it was Friday the ABC, night. I think it was the ABC early yes, game. Yeah, because I remember I was on the flight. Now that I'm, now, you're now triggering memories. I was. It was me, DeMichael Cole, um, Mike Breen, Mark Jackson, T. Morant, all on the same flight from Minneapolis to Memphis the next morning. Because they had called, they had called the game in Minneapolis, and then were flying to Memphis to call the game against the Warriors. Let's play. Guess who was sitting in coach? <laughs> they, um, so well, Brian Jackson, no chance. Well, it was it was so. I, I'm trying to. I don't think Jackson or Breen were. T. Morant was because he was in the same row as me. Mm-hmm. But it was here's what I would say. It was one of those Jets. First class wasn't really much of anything. Puddle jumper. You know, it was like, yes, CRJ. there was a first class, yeah. but it was like, you know, one of those small two seats on each side, mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever. It was it was a jet, but it was not a big jet. Not a know? wide body. Yeah. So, um, but no, T. Morant was coach, like just like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so economy class, right? Isn't that what it's technically called? Yeah, economy, Isn't that the nice thing? and then they have comfort, comfort plus. I mean, you're yeah. a Delta, I assume, because yeah, you're was, flying out of Minneapolis. Yeah, it was a Delta flight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could see that a little bit. I mean, I will say it did seem to be a disadvantage in the sense that in both series last year, 
but especially it felt like that Golden State series, Memphis lost home court advantage right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we'll see. I guess you're right. It would be hard, but I don't think they think about it like that. No, I, but that's not – I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I think that – I do think that probably a large portion of them are like, you know, we want all the smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm with you. I just – that's not the way. Because if you go and take out, it, it was interesting to me. Uh, it, Max Kellerman on the morning show had an interesting point of, and we've we've alluded to this at times. Like his thought is, if the Grizzlies go and, and go on a run here and Ja plays well, like in to, for lack of a better phrase, if Ja wins, it erases a lot of his sins, and. I sort of agree with that. <laughs> like to be quite honest, like if, and I don't mean like if John Morant and the Grizzlies go to the Western Conference Finals, go to the NBA Finals, I do think it will take a lot of the, you know, there'll still be some people who are hung up on what happened with Ja during this season. You know, yeah, but I don't think anything's going to change their mind. Like, yeah, if but you've I, decided that John ja Morant is a thug, like you're not. Your mind's not getting changed. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I do think his perception at large will change if the Grizzlies go on a deep run in the playoffs. So I don't even necessarily know if it's, like, if you're a John Morant guy, like, winning or losing I don't think is changing your mind, much like winning or losing is probably not changing your mind if you're anti-Jaw. What I do think winning helps is winning would help bring him back into the marketing forefront. Mm. I think you'll see... You'll see Ja have a much bigger presence. I, I do think that. I mean, essentially, Max was laying out the Tiger Woods winning cures all yeah. advertisement campaign, which is mm-hmm. fine. The only thing I kind of pushed back was they were kind of making a point like this only happens in America. It's like, no, this happens with athletes everywhere. Zinedine mm-hmm. Zidane headbutted another player. Did he ever come back from that? He's been a manager. Yeah, but yeah, but he yeah. played for the national team. Like he. He was the manager of Real Madrid. Mm. Like, yeah. guys come back all like, this isn't, this is what we do with athletes. This is what we do with celebrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but, like, you know how you, you can fast track that redemption story? Going and beating the Lakers, you know? And frankly, with the way the matchup sets up, if the Grizzlies are going to beat the Lakers, it's probably going to involve Ja, like, having some huge games. No, I do think my tell the truth would be. For Ja to have the bigger series, mm-hmm. I think he's rooting for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I think it did change a little bit with Minnesota with Jaden McDaniels now hurt. That was going to be the guy who was going to defend Ja. Like, I don't think Conley, Conley, you know, Conley used to be a decent defender, pretty good defender, I guess yeah, no. I would say. Uh, but you know, he's at the end. Of, he's at the end of the he line just, here. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he can. You know, I don't know. If, you know, did you have you read the report from the Athletic? Apparently, like he, not a surprise to anyone who's who witnessed Mike Conley up close here, but he was apparently the one who like saved that thing from going completely off the rails at halftime. And Kyle Anderson and, and Rudy Gobert like having a brawl inside the locker room. So I hadn't read that one in particular, but there were a couple things that stands out. One thing that I've figured out that the the Athletic is the unquestioned what was champion. Shams? It was Shams, oh, sorry, not but, the Athletic. But there's, but he, he's, he wrote it for right. the Athletic. But the Athletic's the unquestioned champion of the post-mortem recap 
Mm-hmm. Like where it all went wrong. Like yep. what, they do a brilliant job. Like the Colts one I think about this mm-hmm. year was awesome. Like when they when when something blows up, oh, the the end of the Ed Orgeron one, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. That was a great one. But like they are they seem to have they have a unique ability when something goes wrong, like four months after the fact, they can they can tell you how it went wrong. But the other thing that's interesting to me. Kyle Anderson's from Jersey, right? You did the yes, he you is. Did, you did that big story, and I was like, we looked because you know he's like the number two player in the country and out of high school, right? Mm-hmm. He was yeah, very highly like, rated. highly ranked. I just think Kyle's got to lean into Jersey tough. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like he's the way. I mean, he's got a, more of an edge than his outward demeanor would suggest, and I do think you know ultimately, I think I'm Team Kyle in that whole situation with Gobert, but he did call him the B word multiple times. Jersey it sounds tough. like yeah. <laughs> so um you know like Gobert should not have done it like should have been done behind closed doors. This should have been this should have happened. No, I mean I think doors. it's very I think we can safely say this. Like forget the whole how we have to talk in public facade. It was not Kyle Anderson calling him a bitch that Set off Rudy Gobert. There was clearly other things that had been said mm-hmm. that it, that was a breaking point and a blow up. But at the same time, it's like if you're asking me to pick between Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert, I can tell you who I'm picking. It's Kyle every freaking time. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's I think that's right. By the way, in my in my column, I equated. Would do you think this was appropriate? I equated. Uh, Having to take out Mike Conley from the playoffs at this point in his career, I equated it to like the end of old Yeller. Yeah, I don't that. The one that always gets me is the scene in My Dog Skip. Mm. So, like, for instance, I still haven't seen the last ten minutes of Marley and Me. Oh, Marley really? looked a lot like my family dog. Uh, so, like, when I could tell things I were lo- tur- I, yeah. when things were turning south, I just looked down at the floor. I might have heard the last ten minutes. But I did not. I say, the first time I watched Marley, because I like Marley and me, because like a, the newspaper yeah. thing, you yeah. know, the guy's a columnist, and you know, like I, I this, this telling the story of your family through the dog. Yes, yeah, I loved it. It was a great movie, and though, and I except agree. for the last the ten fir- minutes, the first time I watched it, and I didn't even own a dog at yeah. this point. I just, I was just like, yeah, I was devastated at the end of Marley and Me. But this would feel like the last ten minutes of my dog Skip, mm. like when he's trying to hop up on the bed. And at least they tastefully on my dog skip. Like we didn't have to see, we didn't have to see the decision making process. It's just kind of fade to black. You know what happens? But yeah, that's kind of how I would want to choose to a Mike Conley series. Like I don't, I don't want to see us have to go put him down. Mm. I just, you know what I mean? Like let someone else do that. I'll see it off screen. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. With but uh, it's uh, you know, so we'll see tonight with uh, Lakers. Timberwolves, 9 p.m. start on TNT. All right, I got another truth I want to get out there. Um, All this consternation about the five people who have made their votes public for Defensive Player of the Year and they didn't vote for Jaron Jackson Jr., it feels a little premature. Like the outrage. I'm seeing a lot of Twitter outrage over – a few voters really? not voting for Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, Vegas seems to think Jaron's winning winning defensive player of the year. Jaron right now, I've looked it up. It's 
he's a bigger favorite this week than he was last week. He's like, like minus 300. There's 100 voters in this thing. Yes. They're, he was not going to be a unanimous selection. Isn't the problem, though, on this, it's Bill Simmons said he didn't play enough games. Yeah. He didn't play enough games. Yeah. Well, it was classic. He didn't beat MVP. He didn't it play was enough classic games. Bill Simmons. Yeah. He said, he said Jaron didn't play enough games to win Defensive Player of the Year, but he voted Embiid. MVP, MB yeah. played three more games than Jaron. Mm-hmm. He put Steph Curry as an all NBA selection. Steph Curry played fewer games than Jaron this mm-hmm. year. Um, it's just it's like classic, uh, you know. I think his real, his, in his heart, he's taken the all, it's not just the games thing. He's been convinced by all his, whatever, his nerds over at the ringer that, you know, I can't, I can't really trust JJJ, Triple J to play uh play more than 30 minutes a game because of his foul trouble. trouble. Yeah, like I don't know what to make of the Grizzlies. Yeah, this just felt like there's one thing I can say about the sports guy from years and years. I like Bill Simmons, too. Yeah, I mean, I I do, too. But from years and years of consumption of his product, you know one thing that has never gotten in the way? He's a tell-your-story guy. He never lets facts get in the way of his takes. Yeah. He never does. Yeah. And that's part of, like, that's part of, like, he is the guy that popularized being the fan. Mm-hmm. And the voice of the fan. It's like fans never let facts get in the yeah. way of their takes. Like they, you just feel what you feel. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's. Uh, I think Jaron's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's leading the league in blocks per game. He did like honestly. If you take like yes, he missed the beginning portion of the season, but he's been remarkably. Uh, I would say. Uh, durable since then. Like it's not like he's missed no, the any only other games time. The only games he's missed has been uh, soreness and like his playing time. People look at his playing time as oh, well, it's because he gets in foul trouble. And it's like, well, actually, I would say his playing time this year was more artificially held down. One early in the season, it was very clear Blowouts. they were limit. Well, they were limiting his minutes sure. too. Like I remember when he came back, I was standing down by the bench during one game. I forget which game it was. It was a game that was coming down close down the stretch and he literally walked over to like one of the trainers and was like pointing at his wrist like yeah. how much time do I have you know how much more time can I play and the guy held up like three fingers you got three more minutes and like that's when Jenkins put him back in the game when there were three minutes left um but so like I think his minutes got you know I mean I think Taylor Jenkins doesn't play his star players as much as other teams do and he just does it yeah I mean I think it's twofold I think Clearly, he's from the Budenholzer school, which believes in, like, strength in numbers to a mm-hmm. certain degree. I do think, though, this is my tell-the-truth as we head to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The biggest question for the Grizzlies for me is not who they're playing, mm-hmm. as in the opponent. It's literally who they're playing on the floor. Like, I think they mm-hmm. have rotation, like, legitimate. Like, is this going to be – how many guys do you trust out there right now? Um, I mean, I think at a certain point, you here's the guys you, you know you trust. You know you trust Jaron. You know you trust Ja. You know you trust Dez. You trust Dylan to a certain degree. But my thing is, you have to trust Tillman. Like, Tillman has no choice. Like, you have to play him. Mm-hmm. And you have to play him massive minutes yeah, in the see, playoffs. I don't even know if I'd put Dylan in the trust category. I trust him on one end of the floor. Yeah. I, I, I half trust him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But beyond that, like, I guess you trust Tyus. Yeah, you trust Ty, but it just depends on. I trust Tyus as the backup point guard. Right. The question is, are, I I think now, 
I think his unless unless Jaws hurt or something or in foul trouble or something, I don't know what. Now that you have Luke Kennard, I don't know that Tyus is going to have some huge role on this team in the playoffs because are you really going to like? Last year they effectively played him alongside Ja, and it was because you know what we need some more shooting on the floor, and so let's play him, and we'll go small. We'll go, you know, at the end of that Timberwolves series, they were going Ja, Tyus, Bain, Dylan, Jaron down the stretch of games. Like that's how they were playing. And now that you have Kennard, like, aren't you going to go Ja Kennard when you want to go to that quote unquote shooting smaller lineup? You're going to go Des Kennard. So I think over Tyus. I think largely Tyus's role is going to be a whenever you do give Ja a blow. Mm-hmm. But I do think you're going to see lineups where he's playing, and you know I don't know if it means Des is off the like maybe you're you're getting Des but spell point, minutes. I like, think you're right. I trust him. Um, I don't trust Santi, even though you're going to have to rely on him. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, on the Canard front, Canard. Like, do I trust great. him to be a good shooter? Sure, but what if like these are one game scenarios now? Like, if he's not shooting the basketball well, do you have to stick with him? Because if he's not shooting the ball well, you you're giving up a ton defensively. Yeah, no, I think the bench is a real question mark for the Grizzlies ultimately because you've lost your best interior player off the bench in Brandon Clark. You've lost in Tillman kind of your best break glass in case of emergency guy off yeah. the bench because now he's a starter with Steven Adams out. Um, <clears throat> you know, and Kennard, I think Kennard has, uh, he has done enough since coming to the Grizzlies where, you know how you like sometimes guys have to prove that they can deliver? I'm, gonna, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's going to have to prove that he's a liability to me. Like, because I think he's played pretty well since getting here, and he seems to be a great fit with this team. But we've seen in the past in the playoffs, it's not like he's never played in the playoffs before. We know what a bad version of Luke Kennard can look like, and it's him getting targeted on the defensive end of the floor. Well, the thing, though, with Kennard is he's proven himself to be. But I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I think he's going to be a nice. I think he's going to be a nice piece in these series. I think the larger point is when you consider what the other options are. Yeah, I think you're just going to have to stick with it and hope that hey, a great shooter number. You know, even if he starts slow, he's still a great shooter, and eventually he'll get his. And then, like I kind of put Roddy and Lofton in the same boat. I I don't mind if either of them are playing in a game, and I do think each of them are capable of going out and get in like a game here, a game there, giving you a boost. Um, But do I trust them to regularly be difference makers for this team in the playoff? No, I don't. Conchar, no, I don't. No, I mean, to me, like that's that's the bigger issue as we head into the playoffs. Like, yes, no, it's going to have to be a three-headed monster. I mean, let's just be yes. real. Ja, your three Dez, best players, have and Jaron have to be stars. Yes. For if the Grizzlies are with the way their roster is right now, you are going to need those three to be playing at an extremely high level for four games every series. Like, that's just yeah. the reality. I, I don't know how, you know, and like, but you know what? Like, that's how it works in the playoffs. No, and and to be honest with you, like, that's how it's going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like, the more that but, you're going to have to pay these guys, yes, the the more the supporting cast is going to be limited. It's going to yeah. be flawed. Yeah, I think that's 
I think that's You're always going to have a better supporting cast when your three stars, if you will, are on cheap contracts. Well, they're not on cheap contracts. Well, they won't won't be moving forward. Yeah, no, they won't. And then, you know, because the... the, I mean, and the other part of this, the truth is, my last truth, if you will, for Tell the Truth Tuesday, doesn't it feel like the stakes are higher this year for the Grizzlies than last year even? I know last year they had a better record... You had a better, you you felt better about the team, maybe overall, even though Ja was coming off of an injury going into the playoffs last year. But with with what's going on with Dylan's pending free agency, with Desmond Bain's pending extension, with the way you know the way it seems to be, you know, it seems to be wide open this year in the West more so than it has been in the past. Just feels like the stakes are a little higher for this group this year. It's not to say this is the end all be all. Like I think. This is another year of, you know, we've talked about it in the past of give you you want to give yourself a shot to be a contender each year. That's how ultimately teams break through. They keep knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And this feels like year two of knocking on the door for the Grizzlies, if you will. And who knows if they'll break through this year, but it does feel like the stakes are a little bit higher because – Frankly, I don't think they're just – if they don't break through this year, I don't think they're just going to run it back, so to speak, like they kind of did this offseason. I think there's going to have to be changes. Not not necessarily to the top three, but I think below that, beneath that, you're going to see some changes. I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. So, obviously, at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. if you would have said this team is going to get bounced in the first round, that mm-hmm. is – that's an you know that's an unmitigated disappointment. Like to me at that point, like if you say this at the beginning of the year, the way the season's played out, like if you get bounced by LeBron and AD, how devastating is that? I mean, I do think though to your, I don't think it's devastating. I think I don't think anything that happens in these playoffs changes the long term, like goal slash ambition of this group could take the Grizzlies places they've never been before. I guess the only reason why I would push back on on your point is I think they're at that point anyway in terms of I think they have to read. I don't think you can just run this back next year. Well, if you go out and win a title, you're you're like that changes things. If yeah, you go out and, and I, go to the Western Conference Finals and almost make the NBA Finals, I think that changes some of your, you know, some of your thinking on like okay, okay if, what, they win, if they win a title that's kind of a different thing, but I guess I'm but also. Yeah, I think you're right. If they if they lose in the first round, if they go and lose to Golden State or Sacramento yep. in the second round, I think you're right. I think there's going to be changes that you have to you have to retool it a little bit. And I guess the way that I would phrase it is, I think they're more aware of that. I don't think the run it back option is as much on the table as it was last summer. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're already at that point. But I don't. I mean, I do agree with you in terms of last year was. Man, this is like this is fun. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. Whereas this year, it's like, all right, hey, let's see what clock's like, ticking. But, well, not just clocks ticking. It's like this is how last year's team. It felt like ultimately was going. No matter what happened in the playoffs, was going to be defined by, oh my god, they finished second in the West with this bunch of young dudes. We never expected that, and it was going to be. Yeah, it would have been disappointing to lose to the Timberwolves in the first round, but I still think the defining memory of that season would have been, I cannot believe they fin- this team finished second in the West already at this age. 
that's not that's not the defining image, the defining memory of the season will not be this team finished second in the West. The define the how this team will be defined, how this season will ultimately be defined is entirely contingent on this playoff run. Like how you think we just talked about how you think about what Jaw's gone through this year will completely change based on does he lose in the first round? Does he lose to the Warriors again? Or does he go to the Western Conference Finals? Do they go on a run? Like, how you view what he went through this season, I think, will change depending on that. I think the same's the case for the entire roster in terms of how you view how this roster was built. You know, like, right now, you know, if this team goes out and loses to the Lakers in the first round, you're going to go, man, looking back, that offseason they had last year was, you know, basically standing pat and adding a bunch of rookies who didn't help at all in the playoffs. Like that, yeah, that was a mistake. Like that was the first kind of real mistake by this front office in this buildup. Um, and you may still think that, but like going on a run changes how you feel about all those things. Like let's say they go on a run and David Roddy emerges as like this reliable eighth man, and Kenny Lofton, you know, emerges as a reliable piece inside off the bench. Well, that totally changes how you think about things. You know, you go and beat Kyle Anderson, who you let go in the first round, and then. You know, you you have a bent, you know, those young guys play better than DeAnthony Melton did in the playoffs last year. Like, it changes, I think, how you think about things. Um, and it was less, that was less the case last year. It felt like last year the playoffs were almost like gravy. You know, it was like. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's, I guess the bigger question for me, and like this is the, the thought to wrap up on. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any question right now. The defining moment of this season is John Morant in the strip club with a gun. I think that is the defining moment. Like that, when you think about this season, that is the most prevalent image right now. Correct. The question for me is, what do they have to do to change that? Western Conference Finals. Because yeah, if you go out and beat the Lakers and beat Golden State. It would literally be. What if you beat the Lakers and beat Sacramento? Beat, beat Sacramento and then either a sweep or a gentleman's sweep against Denver. Yeah, I still think I. I still think one because that would and that would involve if you're playing Denver too, it would involve going back to yes. the scene of the crime. That's so what I'm to saying speak. a lot of a lot of there'd, there'd be a lot of shotgun Willie yeah. think pieces. Oh yeah. <laughs> There'd be a lot of shotgun Willie's journal There'd be a lot of journalists going to shotgun mm-hmm. Willie's. No, no, going not, to the Chick-fil-A next to it. Not for mm-hmm. the entertainment. Yeah. You know, going to going to an quote-unquote investigate. Mm, yeah, doing, doing the Lord's <laughs> Doing work. some investigate. Hey, guys, hey, uh, commercial appeal. I need to do some investigative mm-hmm. reporting, okay? Um, that was one of Neil, Neil uh, was the columnist in Mobile when Mike Price had the, when Mike Price had his, uh, you know, essentially strip clubs brought him down. Yeah. And Neil had to go do some heroic work. Of like <laughs> It was like angels in Pensacola. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I can't wait. I, I'm excited to learn who they're going to play tonight, um, either the Lakers or Minnesota. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm ready. To, it's only Tuesday. I feel like by Friday I'm going to be – Friday and Saturday I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Please give us this game. Like I want to start the playoffs. <laughs> I've already, I've already started working on my haters guide to LA. So uh, oh, okay. uh, we'll have that coming up throughout the week. All right. When we come back, Tim Murray will join the program next. Stick around. You're listening to Gene Otto and Jeffrey. 92- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jonathan, yes, Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state that you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, you'll both receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Tim Murray is, of course, the co-host of VSIN Live, airing primetime from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Also the host, of course, of College Football's Betting and College Football and Basketball Betting Podcasts. Sadly, those are gone. At least until, at least, I guess, until August. But here's the real question, Tim. Now what? Because betting on the NBA this year has been, I mean, there for a while there was a strategy of, okay, just go look for some home teams that you like, that you know that are going to be playing guys. But even that has just been, like, then you wound up in situations where, you know, for instance, you could have had, you could have had the Timberwolves against Portland at home a couple of weeks ago. Hey, figure, Portland's playing no one. They're tanking. I'll just lay 17 and a half. They'll kill them. What not move on. And then you would have had the biggest loss in NBA history. So now what do we do? Yeah, it's, uh, look, I just, uh, a buddy of mine, Todd Furman, tweeted out, you know, there's not enough hours in the day to handicap every sport. So Correct. It's, it's, it's very true, you know, and, and you do, like for me personally, as, as we've talked about since and when we started doing this back in September, and then we carried it over into college basketball, college sports, uh, are kind of my baby. I bet the NFL like everybody else. And now, you know, I kind of lean on some people for, for their insight. I'm not going to bet nearly as much as I have been on on basketball and football. You know, I threw out some bets on the Masters on uh, based off of people I trust. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this. The NFL draft 
for me, the last two years has probably been the single most profitable event that I have bet each and every year. Go on. But the problem with the NFL draft and betting the NFL draft is that sports books hate it. And you might be rolling your eyes. Oh, come on. You know, the sports books don't hate anything. They like taking all your money. No, no. Go ask them. They hate it. They absolutely despise the NFL draft. And that's why where I sit in the sports betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, I can go to, I think, one or two sports books in this amazing city and bet an NFL draft prop. And the only prop they really have is first overall pick. They don't like doing it. It's all inside information. And we, the bettors, actually have the leg up on the sports books. Here's why. When you talk about the NBA or the NFL or college football or whatever, at the end of the day, there's a game. At the end of the day, they're going to trust their power ratings. Whether they win or lose, sports books, that is, they have a power rating. They stick to it. Somewhere out there when it comes to the NFL draft, there's an answer to the tests. Yeah. We can, we can find the answer to the test if you trust the right people, whether it's Lance Zerline down in Houston, who is really well connected with the Houston Texans, or, you know, Peter Schrager, who's, you know, connected with McVay, even though they don't have any draft picks. But, you know, there are people out there who you should trust a little bit more. So, I love betting the NFL draft. I will be talking at nauseum about the NFL draft on my show for the next two weeks. However, you know, here in Vegas, it's hard to bet. The the if you guys have access, and I'm not sure if you do in, in Tennessee, bet MGM, bet MGM right now. You can go and you can bet on the first overall pick, the second overall pick, and the third overall pick. That, those are the draft. Those are the draft options they have. right DraftKings now. has a, a pretty decent. Uh, menu, uh, if you have a state that is is, is available. But that's yeah. the tricky part, right? It's the tricky part of this event. And I think as we get closer, you'll be able to bet on a couple more. But, you know, the NFL, the, I'll, I'll give you an example. It, it is a very, very um, fickle uh, market. And we'll use this weekend, for example, right? So let, let's, let's think about, let's think about tonight's game. Lakers taking on the Timberwolves. All right. Okay, so that game opened around Lakers minus five and a half. Rudy Gobert punches a teammate. Um, uh, uh, Jaden McDaniels punches a wall, Mm -hmm. and those two guys are out. That line has moved three points, which is a pretty decent move. You know, it's a decent-sized move, but once again, that's based off of power ratings. Whether the Lakers cover or not, the books are kind of setting at, okay, we're, we're comfortable here at eight and a half. Obviously, some money will influence it. Over the weekend, Bryce Young was around plus 120 to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. It is Tuesday. He is minus 300. I mean, that's how much this market moves, and which is kind of crazy about the NFL draft market because you have to jump on things because it moves so quick. And sometimes it moves just based off of, hey, Daniel Jeremiah put out a mock draft. He had Tyree Wilson, this is an example, by the way, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech going five. Okay, the market's going to shift heavily there. I mean, they don't really know what to do, and the books are reacting kind of like we react you know, to an injury news. So that brings up an interesting question because I was under the impression Mel Kuyper's latest mock is not going to change bookmakers' lines. Are you saying that maybe if it's not Mel in spe- specifically, 
but somebody they pay attention to could move the line that much? Well, I'll say some mocks will move draft lines. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. I think it was last year, uh, and this was way early in the process, uh, Dane Brugler, I want to say, or either it might have, I think it might have been Daniel Jeremiah, one of those two. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. He put out a mock draft like in January that said Iki Aquanu would be the first overall pick. That's what his mock was. And the market just went bonkers. It shifted everything. He was like 50 to 1 down to 2 to 1. Um, now we're getting a lot more mock drafts out there, so today's mock might not be all that influential. However, what it what it does do is we talked about this on my show last week. Todd McShay put out a mock draft last week, and he had Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback, going twenty three to the Vikings, I believe. Yes, that's yes, that sounds right. He, yeah, so, the, the cousin's replacement, because I remember thinking that. So there were a couple other people out there who had a similar mock draft. Todd McShay is a very notable face. He's on a big platform, obviously, at ESPN. And when Hendon Hooker gets thrown into that, he's a big name. We know the name Hendon Hooker. And the market started to shift quite considerably on how many quarterbacks would be drafted in the first round. It was set at four and a half. The four, the four obvious being Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and now you throw in Hendon Hooker, number five, and the market starts to shift a little bit because, hey, a big name in Todd McShay has moved it this way. It went as low as minus 130 to the under, or excuse me, to the uh, over four and a half quarterbacks, and now it's kind of moving back and forth. So, um, you know, another example of this market kind of moving, not crazily but you know being aware I mentioned Lance Zerline and his connection with Houston he went out last week and said if Bryce Young goes one Houston isn't in love with CJ Stroud it's assumed right now with the market being what it is that CJ Stroud's going to go number two but when you have a person based in Houston who is connected to the Houston Texans and works for NFL network you know you, you start to think a little bit more and you might not think it's all that obvious but you know back to your original question of Mel Kuyper and how much does he move the market um I would say not as much as he probably used to um and you know that's just over the years and you know I, I think Mel Kuyper look this event has become so enormous it's prime time now it's on network television you know everybody carries it and I don't know what we'd be without Mel Kuyper Jr., to be honest. No, he uh, it, he literally invented the space. He did. But I'll be honest, there are better people than him sure. right now. But that's, you know, so I, I, I love listening to Mel Kuyper. I love listening to them, him and Todd go back and forth. And, and ultimately, you know, this is my PSA for the day on, on, on Kuyper because, man, you know, nowadays you do one thing wrong, people crush you. Look. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, whoever, Dane Brugler, all these guys that bust their butt. This is their job. This is their livelihood. Well, Mel Kuyper's mock ultimately might not be great. I mean, he still is on television for three days talking about dudes from UT Chattanooga in the seventh round. Like, your bro who, you know, had more picks correct than Mel Kuyper doesn't know the guy that's being drafted in the sixth round. So, him having a, a mock draft, I would almost say this is more entertainment value and more content 
than it is to be factual at this point for Mel Kuyper. No, I think that's 100%. Like, in the end, whether it was him, uh, whether it was Mayock when before, you know, he had the whole Raiders thing, but I, I'm always amazed. They've done their homework, and you can, oh, yeah. o- you can always tell that. I guess where I'm kind of kicking myself, the older that I get, the less conviction that I have. Like, I think 25-year-old me that would have just done nothing but watch college football all year would have said, I don't see any way that C.J. Stroud is going to get drafted before Bryce Young, and I just would have gone and bet it. Now, 35-year-old me is thinking, well, what do they know that I don't? Like, and, and maybe this is just you know more years of losing bets, and then all of a sudden you, know, you, you start to fade yourself a little bit, but whatnot. But this, to me, was always the most obvious result and if indeed that's where we wind up, like, what, what do you think? What do you think mu- much of the misdirection was? Because it wasn't just Vegas thinking that CJ Stroud was going to go one. Like, there seemed to be a consensus amongst football people that that was what was going to happen. I think it was what we fall into a lot of the times, and not just NFL draft, but a lot of other things where it becomes kind of a groupthink where you hear one person say it and then it kind of trickles down, like when you play telephone as a kid. Yeah. And when they made that trade up to one, it was, well, it's CJ Stroud. And the market just flipped, right? It went to like minus 300 that CJ Stroud would be the pick. Well, you know, Frank Reich. Never had a quarterback under whatever it was. Six, I think it was two, six, six, yeah, I think it was six four or six three and a half, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you're like, okay. And and I'm with you, man. And I said it on my air, but I didn't bet it. And I'm I'm mad at myself. And then I got a little information over the weekend that, you know, Panthers were locking in on on Bryce Young. And it was too late for me to get to the window at a, at a good price. And now you're looking at, you know, minus 300 or whatnot for Bryce Young to be the first overall pick. And, you know, what was interesting is we had David Newton on our show yesterday. Uh, David Newton covered the Panthers, has covered the Panthers forever for ESPN. And he said, look, he's not for sure, for sure that it's Bryce Young. But he said, the one thing I do know is that height is not an issue. He said, height is not an issue when it comes to this selection. If they ultimately pick C.J. Stroud, it's not because he's taller than Bryce Young. He did say durability is a question, and obviously Bryce Young has dealt with some durability issues there. But, yeah, I'm with you, man, because I kept saying on this show, on my show, I'm like, you know, are we sure? Are we sure it's C.J. Stroud? Why? Because Josh McCown joked with C.J. Stroud at his pro day, hey, when you get to town, we're going to play basketball. You know, it's yeah. like that's what we were basing this all on. Like, oh, all of the Panthers showed up at C.J. Stroud's Pro Day. Well, yeah, they should. They just traded a whole heck of a lot to get up to number one. They should be doing all their homework. They should be at Will Levis's Pro Day, Anthony Richardson's Pro Day. Hell, go to Max Duggan's Pro Day. I don't know. Just If you're trading up to number one, you're, you're going to want to do every piece of homework possible and – you know, and I just kept telling, you know, talking to to Sean King, right? You know, former NFL quarterback, who's my co-host, and I'm like, "Who's better?" And he said, "Look, they're both really good, but I think Bryce Young is is magical." Now he's actually changed his tune a little bit, and he says that he, if he were the Panthers, he would take Richardson just because of the potential of the upside. I've called him crazy because of that. But I understand what his mindset is. He's like, they're not going to be good this year. Shoot for the moon with Anthony Richardson. But, you know, what David Newton told us last night, he said, look, 
They're going up. They went up to one to get Stroud or Young. Those are the two guys. He believes it's going to be ultimately Bryce Young, and that's the way the market's moved. And, you know, for, for you and me and so many of your listeners that love college football, C.J. Stroud played his best game ever in the semifinal against Georgia. He was flawless. He was phenomenal in that game. But Bryce Young, I mean, what is Alabama's record this year? If Bryce oh, I think Young they would have lost five games. I, he was he was magical this season, and you know as 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 crazy as it sounds, you know I know Will Anderson's on the other side of the ball, and Jameer Gibbs is getting buzzed as a potential first round pick. I mean I, I'm with you, man. I think that's a four loss team if they don't have Bryce Young back there. Well, they would have gotten blown out by Tennessee. He was inc- like They still lost the game, but oh I mean, my God, he was he was he the was only thing incredible. keeping that thing from being like fifty two to seven. I mean, he was in, incredible. I think they would have lost to Ole Miss uh, because he was just he was also incredible. Lost to Texas. Uh, he didn't play Texas A and M, right? That no, was, no, that uh, was Milrow. Uh, you know, they lose Texas probably. Yes, they definitely would have lost Texas. So, so I mean, at least we're talking four games right there. I mean, weren't they life and death with, if I remember correctly, with Auburn, or, or was that that was two years ago? They lost. They that was lose two Auburn years ago. Two they years ago. Well, he wouldn't have won the Heisman. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, but going back to, you know, will Hendon Hooker be a first-round pick? You know, I, I truly believe that this is – I think it's a lot of things. I think there is – there are teams out there late in the first round doing their homework on Hendon Hooker, putting out things to media members that are influential so that people will trade back into the first round to maybe get a Hendon Hooker. But, I mean – and this is no knock on Hendon Hooker. He's 25 years old and has a torn ACL. Like, you're really going to spend a first-round pick on Hendon Hooker, who, by the way, plays in, in uh, the Baylor system where you read one side of the field and dudes are just running buck naked, you know, all that, over the place because of the scheme? That's the bigger concern for me because, like, there's a lot to like about Hendon Hooker, the way sure. he extends plays. Uh, he seems to have moxie. He's kind of, like... He's what you want your quarterback to be. It feels like he makes everyone around him better, but we've literally never seen anyone from this system dating back to who was even before Bryce Petty. I mean, I mean RG3 had had the myst- the mystifying, mythical, amazing, however you want to define it, year. I lived it in 2012 in Washington, and you know why it worked? It's because Kyle Shanahan, who we've learned is an absolute genius, Created the Baylor system. They ran the read option. You know, he didn't really have to go through progressions in Washington. And RG3 is an incredible athlete and could hit holes and, and, you know, have incredible runs. And then ultimately, we know how it all played out. So look, Hendon Hooker is going to be, you know, a second or third round pick, in my opinion. And, you know, wherever he goes, maybe it'll work out. But, you know, for a team like Minnesota, who has so many holes, to have them mocking Hendon Hooker there, I'm like, that would make no sense whatsoever. They have. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.